0: Well, I'm so excited to bring this word to you this morning. Are you excited to receive it? Amen. Come on. If you can even go halfway, we'll have good church. I mean, just go, just go halfway. Listen, God spoke a word to my heart several months ago for this year. I don't know why God operates this way with me. He just does. He, he gave me a word, and, and I just felt like this was a word for our church, Have you ever, like, decided you were gonna buy a new car? You shopped online or you went to the lot and and you picked out the one you like. You haven't bought it yet, but your eye is on it. And then all of a sudden, it seems like everybody owns that car. (laughs) Does that ever happen to you? Or, like, you get a new pair of shoes, you're like, I love these, I've never seen these before. And then you walk out the first time wearing them and everybody's wearing the same pair of shoes as you? That's kind of the way it is with me when God speaks a word to me. All of a sudden, it's everywhere. Uh, God's just speaking to me through conversations, through times in the scripture, and and I want to tell you, the word is lift. God spoke so many things to me for our church that we're going to be unpacking over the next several weeks, and even this spring in our uh, Spring Life Group series, we're going to be doing a deeper dive into what God wants to do in and through our church in 2019, but today I I just want to begin by just talking about one way. Just one way that this word has application in our hearts and in our lives, and and this one way is the preeminent way. I mean, if if there's just going to be one, this is the most important one. So let me just say that out front, that the number one priority and application of this word in my, not just 2019, but in my life is simply this. I want to lift Jesus higher. That ought to have been a stronger amen out of a bunch of saved folks. I'm just going to tell you right now. (laughs) There is nothing more important to me than that Jesus would be exalted through my life. And I say that because I understand this. That's why he saved me. He saved me that he would be glorified through my life. If he just wanted my company in heaven, he would have saved me and killed me all at once. But he left me here for a reason. He left me here so that he could be glorified through my life. Matthew 5 says, we are the light of the world. We are a city on a hill. Come on, somebody want to shine this year for Jesus? We're going to have to lift up the name of Jesus. And so that's what I want to talk to you about today. Jesus said this. He said, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto myself. He said, that's what I'll, if I'm lifted up, that's what I'll do. I'll draw men into myself. Now, now, we, here's what you have to understand about that. When Jesus said it, he was talking about the cross. Yeah. I don't mean like in code or metaphorically or parabolically like he does sometimes where everybody's confused. No, everybody understood what he meant. It was a phrase in that day. If, if, they, if somebody said to you, wow, do you, you hear Peter got lifted up? They meant Peter was crucified over the weekend because it happened all the time. Rome was crucifying people as punishment. And so when Jesus said, I'll be lifted up, everyone knew he was talking about the fact that he was gonna be crucified on a cross. Now we don't wanna see Jesus crucified again, but we look at the cross from the other side of the empty tomb and we understand that it is worthy of being exalted. The cross of Christ is worthy of being lifted up today and proclaimed through our lives. In fact, Peter said this about the cross when Peter was talking about lifting up the cross in Galatians chapter 6, verse 14. He said, May I never boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. You know what he was saying? He was saying, The cross of Jesus has bragging rights. Like, I don't want to boast. Well, okay, I kind of do. I want to boast about the cross. You know, it's playoff time in football, so I think this is a good application. You know, football fans like to boast about their guy, right? I mean, you know, I ain't going to lie. I was pretty proud of my guy last night. I'm a Cowboys fan. I hope you stay for the rest of the message after you hear that. I'll pray for your team today, too. Unless you're a Steelers fan, then I'm sorry. <laughs> but we like to boast about our guy, right? I mean, come on, when when he's playing good, like, hey, that's that's my guy. Well, let me tell you, if your guy says he's gonna be crucified, he's gonna die, he's gonna be buried, and then he's gonna rise from the dead three days later, and he actually does it, you win, okay? You get bragging rights. Forever, That's what Jesus did. And so Paul says, I am going to boast about this. I'm not going to boast about a lot of stuff, but I will boast about this. Jesus, his cross, him crucified, him resurrected. At another place, he said this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He said, so it is with me, brothers and sisters, when I came to you, when he came preaching. He said, I didn't come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. Now, understand this. He could have. Paul could have blown their minds with revelation, with deep truth and spiritual insight and exegesis of the old covenant scriptures. He could have blown their mind. But he said, you know, what? when I came to you, I didn't come with any of that. Look what he said. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him Crucified. Paul made up his mind. He said, You know what? These people don't know Jesus, and so they don't need to know all the other stuff that I know. There's one priority. I want to make sure when I come to you, I lift up Jesus. I want to make sure when I come to you, that Jesus is exalted. And that's our heart. That people don't leave their first experience at this church and say, Wow, you know, the the coffee was great. Or, Boy, they sure did a good job, you know, redecorating the inside of that building. Or, Wow, I really love that music. Or, Man, that guy up front, he's funny looking. I don't want them to say any of that. I want people to say, "Wow, oh, man, did you did you feel the presence of Jesus in that man? Did you did you feel he was he was Jesus was awesome today? Yes. Do you missed it if you missed church because Jesus was in the house. He was awesome, and we want to lift up the name of Jesus higher than anything else. Let's lift him up this year. Let's make a commitment to say, Jesus be exalted now." There's a practical way that we do this, and you've already seen it exemplified many times this morning. It's an outward expression of how we lift up Jesus, and it's all through the Word of God, and it's simply lifting up our hands, just lifting up our hands. All through the Word of God, we see people doing this as a way of just exalting God, exalting Jesus. We lift up our hands. Here's what the psalmist said. Psalm 63 and verse 4 says, I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name, I lift up my hands." Maybe you came in this morning and and you saw people doing that and you wondered, what are they doing? Why are they lifting up their hands? Now you know. That's why. Because all through the word of God, we are given this posture of worship and exalting Jesus by just lifting up our hands to the Lord. In fact, I want us to just do it together for a moment. This might make some of you feel funny, but I don't care enough to not ask, okay? So I want you to just lift your hands with me for a moment. Can we just do that? Can we just lift our hands up toward God? Now, come on, not, not just your hands, but your mind. Even as you lift your hands, let's just focus in on the Lord for just a moment. Father, I, I just pray right now, God, as we lift up our hands to you, that, God, this outward expression would, would just be a, a visual of the desire of our hearts, that Jesus, you would be lifted up. God, that this year, in 2019, that you would be lifted higher in our lives. God, that you would be lifted higher in our church, that you would be lifted higher in our homes. Lord, in our workplace. God, let this not just be the posture outwardly, but God, let this be the posture of our hearts today. Lord God, you would be lifted God, as we reach our hands for you today, God, as we open our lives to you, God, we just ask you to come and and to receive your glory, be magnified in us and through us, in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. 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 Listen, I want to give you four things today that that hopefully this, this simple outward expression of lifting your hands that you just did, four things that you can remember. Every time we lift our hands up to God, we do it in several ways. We lift up our hands to God in praise. Secondly, we lift up our hands to God in purity. Thirdly, we lift our hands practically. And then finally, we lift our hands powerfully. And I just want to talk to you for a few moments about these expressions in hopes that every time that you lift your hands, that that you're going to be reminded of what you're doing as we seek the Father. The first one, let's talk about it, is that we lift our hands to God in Praise. You know the word hallelujah, it just means praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And so when we lift our hands in praise, it's a hallelujah. It's saying hallelujah to the Lord. Praise the Lord. The Bible in Leviticus and in Numbers, it it describes for us the way that the priests would worship the Lord in the Old Covenant. And, And honestly, when you read the way that they did it, I mean, it was their job description was more like a butcher than a pastor, you know, because they're like cutting the meat here and they're they're taking this and they're separating that and they're sprinkling blood over here. You know, it was it was pretty gruesome, to be honest with you. And in number six, it tells us that the priest would bring the offering, the sacrifice before the Lord, and he would cut a portion of the meat off, he would cut off the breast, and he would cut off the thigh, and, and he would offer it as a wave offering. Just, he would lift his hands, he would wave it before the Lord. And there was a practical reason because the the priests they didn't per, they didn't receive a salary to go out and buy groceries their income actually came from that portion. And so rather than burning it on the altar, they would set that aside because that was dinner later, okay? But for us, we understand this wave offering was significant to the worship. Now, here's the good news. When you go get a bucket of chicken today to watch the playoffs this afternoon, You don't have to find the breast and the thigh and wave it to the Lord, okay? He doesn't want you to do that. You can if you want, but I don't really think he's too concerned with it. The psalmist understood that God is looking at the heart and the inward intention even more so than the outward action. And so the psalmist said this to us, talking about our praise. It says in Psalm 141, verse 2, may my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. You see, the the incense was was burned on the altar, but the Bible tells us in Revelation 8.3 that the incense that burns on the golden altar before the presence of God is the prayers of the people of God. Your prayers right now, the ones you prayed this morning, are, are, are offering up a sweet Aroma of worship in the throne room of heaven today. And so David said, let my prayers be that incense. And and Lord, as I lift my hands, let the lifting of my hands be like that evening sacrifice, that wave offering. God, I lift my hands to you. Let it be like a sacrifice in your presence. Let it praise, let it glorify you. In Psalm 134, verse two, he said, lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise God. The Lord." That's, that's what we do. When we lift our hands, we're praising the Lord. When we lift up our hands, it's a sign of surrender, and, and it's understood universally, right? I mean, come on. If somebody pointed a gun at you and you wanted them to know very quickly that you have no conflict with them, your hands are going up, right? I mean, hey, hey, oh, hey, no, no. Even if you don't speak the language, I'm I'm communicating right now that I have no conflict with you that you are in control I am submitted to you and when we come to God and we lift up our hands in worship we're surrendering to God we're saying God I got no conflict here I'm not going to kick against the goads I'm not going to strive against your plan and purpose God I totally surrender I yield my life to you you are in control and it's not fear based because God's firing his laws and commands at us it's motivated by love it's understanding that he is for me and that he is good, and when I sense his presence, I'm drawn to surrender. When we lift our hands up to worship, it's not just surrender, it's an expression of faith. It's, it's like that child that reaches up for their parent. You know, they wanna be picked up, that, that little one-year-old that comes teetering across the room, and, and they're reaching, and, and what are they saying? They I, I want I want you to pick me up, and when that parent bends down, and picks up that child, they give him two gifts. First, they give him proximity because their desire is to be near him. They they hold him close. But the second is they get perspective. That's why when you pick that little baby up, their head starts going all around. The world looks different from up here. And their head's on a swivel, and they're looking around at everything because you have blessed him. You've given him your presence. You've given him proximity, but you've also given him Perspective. You've given them the security that comes with being near you, but you've also given them sight because your vantage is higher than theirs. And that's what it's like when we call on God, when we just reach out to God and say, God, I, I just want, I need you. I want you, God. Lord, draw me near. Lord, draw me near. And we, we take advantage of that promise that God said, if you'll draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. And God draws us near. And what happens? Suddenly we, we sense a security and a peace that comes in his presence. And all of a sudden, our perspective changes. We see our situations differently. We see life differently because God has lifted our eyes to a higher level of elevation. There's a a powerful blessing that is ours when we just lift up our hands and praise to God. We say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm seeking you. I'm surrendering to you, God. I'm coming to you with faith today. The Bible says this in Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 1, it says, now faith is the evidence or faith is the confidence in things that we hope for. The things that we hope for are the things that we can't see. It's the perspective. It's faith that picks us up to give us a new perspective. And then it says, and it's the assurance about what we do not see, those things that we're insecure about, the things that we don't know how it's going to go in our future. God gives us that security when we reach out in faith and we praise Him. Sometimes, if you, if you wait to praise God until you feel like you have a reason to praise Him, you've missed your moment, because sometimes praise is purely an exercise of faith. Yes. It's not, God, you've been so good. It's, God, I need you to be good. God, I need you to pick me up. I need you to change my perspective. I need you to give me uh, the, the assurance of your presence in my life, and God does that when we lift up our hands. We lift him up in praise. But secondly, we lift up our hands in purity. And this is so important that we grab a hold of this, that we understand that when we come to God to worship him, his desire is that we come with not just hands that say hallelujah, but hands that are holy. And here's the word. It says to us in Psalm chapter 24, verse three and four, the psalmist asks a question. He says, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The question itself communicates to us that not everybody gets to. Yeah. Not everybody. Not everybody can just run right into the very courts of the Lord. Not everybody can have that close, intimate relationship with their Father in heaven. But who gets to? And then he answers the question in verse 4. It says, The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false God? Clean hands and a pure heart. Clean hands communicate the outward actions. Your hands get dirty on the outside. But the pure heart speaks about our inward intentions. And here's our tendency we tend to look at the outward action probably far too quickly, right? I mean, maybe you even did it this morning. As we're worshiping, as we're singing, you know, you're looking, looking around the room and, and there's one person over there and their hands are up in the air and they're singing out loud and you're thinking, man, they, they are like in tune. They are, go God. I mean, they're like, they're into what, God, they got this whole worship thing and then you look over there and you see somebody, they got their hands on the, on the pew and they're just kind of looking around. You're going... Nah, they're not in it today. They're not not worshiping. They're not worshiping. But God spoke through the prophet Samuel a word that we need to be reminded of. And the word was this, that while man looks at the outside, God is looking at the heart. And and so whatever work God does, he begins within. Keep that in mind. The work God does, he begins within. And so the psalmist said, if you're going to move into the presence of God, you're going to come with clean hands and with a pure heart. Jesus had his strongest rebuke for the people that just focused on the outward action, and they missed the significance of inward obedience. I mean, strongest rebuke. In fact, I want to read some of what he said in Matthew chapter 23, verse 25, And, and let me just preface it by saying, if you're perception of Jesus is one that you got out of a Christian coloring book in Sunday school, that he just sits you know, with a little angelic glow and and holds little children and lambs all the time. That's not this Jesus, okay? I'm about to bust your bubble. I just want to preface this verse by telling you there's another side to the Savior, because Jesus did not take lightly those who just looked at outward action and missed inward intention. Here's what he says in verse 25. Of Matthew 23. Woe to you. Now, we don't use that word today, but that was bad then. Teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites, you clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees first clean the inside of the cup and dish, and then the outside will also be cleaned. I think we all understand the analogy there. I and mean, if you, you know, if you let your kids do the dishes and they just like wash the outside of the cup and then set it in the pantry and you go to get it out later and it's still got Kool-Aid stains on the inside, you don't want to drink that. And Jesus said, that's the way you're living your life. And in case that wasn't clear enough for you, he says in verse 27, woe to you teachers of the law, Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to be people of, as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. Now, this isn't something Jesus said about them. He didn't email it to them. He said this to their face. This is our meek and mild Savior in your face, I mean, he said, I, listen, this is wrong that you do all this outward stuff and yet on the inside, you're full of dead men's bones. There's emptiness on the inside of you. And that ought to remind us today that regardless of what we intend to do for the Lord, he's looking at our hearts. He's looking at our hearts, but there was the other extreme as well. And, and Paul had to write extensively to the churches to combat a teaching that is called Gnosticism. In the early church and this teaching did the very opposite this teaching said that you know this world is wicked people are sinful the world is corrupt it's all going to be destroyed and so ultimately it doesn't matter what matters is what's on the inside so as long as your heart is right god doesn't really care what you do on the outside pure heart yes clean hands doesn't matter and there's, it's funny, there's people that parent that way today, you know? Their kid like, acts crazy and does all kinds of stuff, and then we say, like, well, they have a good heart. No, they don't. <laughs> Look at what they're doing. <laughs> but that's Gnosticism. It doesn't really matter what you do in the body as long, you know, as long as your heart is with God. And so Paul writes to try to help people understand that you can't separate heart and hands. And he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, flee from sexual immorality. Now, he dealt with that one because that was one of the issues. They had no problem with coming to church and worshiping and lifting their hands to Jesus and going out and living in sexual immorality. Paul says, that's a problem. He says, every other sin a person commits is outside of your body. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you whom you have received from God, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. So here's here's the conclusion of the matter. Therefore, honor God with your body. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. What you do with it matters. Again, addressing the same kind of uh, incongruency between heart and hands, he wrote to Timothy. He told Uh, Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 2, 8, he said, therefore, I want men everywhere to pray lifting up holy hands without anger and without disputing. He said that because he had gotten word about some of the things that were going on in the church. They were lifting up hands. They weren't holy hands. They weren't pure hands. They were lifting up hands in worship to God. But apparently the men of Ephesus were, were, Angry and hostile toward one another and toward other people. And maybe you've worked with people like this that call themselves Christians and, and you know firsthand it, it makes it hard for you to be a witness when you try to tell people you're a Christian and you try to model that lifestyle and you got a coworker who also says, I'm a Christian, but by Friday they're more like the Antichrist than Christ. And then you know they go back to church Sunday and Monday is a new story, and, and you just progressively watch them get worse. That's what was happening in Ephesus, and apparently some of these believers, they were, they were pious in their prayers, but they were poisonous in their conversation, and Paul says, it can't be like this. I want you to lift up holy hands without anger, without disputing. I want you to worship God with clean hands and with a pure heart. Clean hands and a pure heart. Both matter. The good news is this, we can be clean. This is not a word of condemnation. Some people would hear what I've said so far about purity and go, man, I guess God doesn't even want my worship because I know I'm not, I'm not pure. I mean, even on my best days, you know, I'll have a thought or two that just, yeah, it would be embarrassing if God knew and you just said he does. And so he doesn't want my worship. But here's the good news. The Bible says in Isaiah, though our sins be as scarlet, God Will make them whiter than snow. This, This is what grace does. This is what we celebrated as of first importance in communion today. The reality that the Bible says God will robe us with his righteousness. He gives us the garments of praise. My clothes aren't nice enough, but he clothes me with praise. He clothes me with his righteousness. And all of a sudden, I'm made pure in his presence. How do we do it? How can I how can I lift up hands that are not just hands of praise but hands of purity? Knowing who I am and knowing what I've done. The Bible tells us in 1 John 1 9. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and he is just and he will forgive you of your sins and he will purify. That's what he does. He purifies us from all the unrighteousness. It's his work, not ours. And so what we have to do is we have to recognize that when I lift up my hands in worship, I'm also revealing my heart. That God's not just looking at the outward expression. That God sees the inner intentions of my life. And so I have to say, God created me a clean heart. Renew in me a steadfast spirit. Wash away my transgressions. Wash away my sin. Lord, make me pure as I confess To you, we come to God with a heart of humility and confession, and he he washes us. He blankets us like a blanket of snow. He covers us. He makes us clean, and all of a sudden, we have access. We can ascend. We can be lifted. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? The one with clean hands and a pure heart. But thirdly, when we lift our hands to God in praise, it's also practical. It's practical. It's not just about what happens here from 11 o'clock to 1230. It's about what happens the rest of the week. Paul said this to Timothy. We read it earlier. I want to read it again. He said, I want men everywhere to pray, lifting up holy hands. Then he, he gives the negative side of the, of the statement when he says, without anger, and without disputing, so we can look at the flip side of that and say, Paul's saying, I want men everywhere to lift up holy hands, not with anger, but with love. And not with disputing, but with unity. So God's desire for our worship when we lift up our hands is not, to, it's not a me and God moment, but there is love and there is unity happening with those around me. It's understanding that our worship involves reaching out as much as it does reaching up. Yesterday, as, as we mentioned earlier, we celebrated uh, with a, a party for our serve team members, everybody that serves on our, on our volunteer teams throughout the year. We just had a big party here yesterday, and not everybody could come, and about 90 people in this church are right now serving on our serve teams. And can I just say today, just to, to honor them publicly and to recognize them, these are people, men and women and teenagers, that understand That when we lift our hands to God, it's not just in praise, and it's not just in my inner man. Sometimes it's practical. That when I worship God, it's not just hallelujah, and it's not just holiness. It's helps. It's helps. It's service. These are the people that understand that sometimes worship is spelled W-O-R-K. Work. And I'm just so grateful for all of those that serve in this church that come week in and week out. And you get it. You understand that my worship experience is not getting the seat of my choice with the song of my choice, with the temperature of my choice. And I can lift my hands and I can have my little God moment. That's great. And we thank God for that. But you also understand it, that worship might mean showing up early and holding the door for somebody in the freezing cold or or going back there and and. Changing a dirty diaper. God help us. <laughs> but that could be worship. Because you understand that when I lift my hands, it's it's practical. It's practical. So many people in our church that, that I'm just so grateful for that, that understand that. They lift up the name of Jesus. They lift up hands in worship. You know, 1 Corinthians 12 talks about the gifts of the Spirit, and uh, we saw a demonstration of one of those gifts earlier, the gift of prophecy, a word of encouragement. It talks about gifts of tongues and interpretation of tongues. It talks about gifts of healing and miracles, and, and those are awesome, and we love those gifts, but right in the middle of all of these gifts are listed is listed the gift of helps. Helps. Did you know that's a gift of the Holy Spirit? Could you imagine? Now, Paul said you should desire the gifts of the Spirit. Could you imagine if every Christian just desired the gift of helps? I mean, how awesome would that be? How much more productive would the kingdom of God be? You know, we're not, we're not chasing after miracles or, or healing. Those things are great. But we just made a commitment on the first Sunday of the new year to say, I'm, a, I'm going after the gift of helps this year. I just want to help. If I can help, that's that's a gift of the spirit. God, would you use me? I might not be the most talented. I might not have the most experience. Maybe I'm not called to lead, but I can help. We need more people like her. Some of you remember her in the Old Testament. Now, most all of us, we recognize the name Moses. I mean, Moses was the leader of Egypt, or the Israelites. He led them out of bondage in Egypt. And Aaron was his older brother. Aaron was the first high priest the the levitical priesthood was established under Aaron's family we know those guys but her was this byline in the credits of the story he was like a footnote he was overlooked and unseen but her had the ministry of helps and the bible gives us this incredible story in exodus 17 about when the amalekites we're fighting against God's people, the Israelites, and God had given a word to Moses that, that he's to stand up on the mountain, and he's to lift up his hands. And so while Joshua is down there leading the troops and fighting the battle for God's people, Moses is standing up on the mountain, looking down, lifting his hands, and he's taking that posture of an intercessor. He's praying on somebody else's behalf. He's not fighting the battle, but in prayer, he is. And here's the word that God gave him. So long as your hands stay lifted up, they're gonna win the battle. And so Moses is up there. He's just exalting God. He's lifting his hands. He's worshiping. He's winning in prayer. But then he does what a lot of you do when we decide to sing the chorus again. He goes... His arms get tired. You know, he goes, he goes about here, you know, or, or he does like the kids do. You know, they're like this, and then they go. <laughs> Trying to hold that arm up, you know. So that's Moses, and the Bible says his arms got tired, and Joshua begins to lose. The Amalekites turn the tide. They start to advance the charge, and so here comes her. The Bible says Aaron and Hur, they each got on a side of Moses' And they lifted up his hands. They just they held up his arms. When his arms were weak, they lifted him up. That's the ministry of helps. Listen, sometimes when we lift our hands to God, it's not even our hands we're lifting. We're serving. We're getting our hands dirty. We're back there serving in the nursery or in preschool. Or, or you're coming and you're cleaning up. You're setting stuff up. You're tearing stuff down. Why? So that somebody else can win the, win the battle. So that somebody else can come in here and, and have an encounter with God and have a spiritual victory. When we lift our hands to God, we lift them practically. We lift them to help others. It's what compassion ministry is all about. Serving other people. You know, there's not a single verse in the Bible that tells lost people to come to the church. But there's a multitude of verses that command the church to go to the lost. To go out, to get the lost, to win the lost. Jesus told this parable in Luke 14 about what the kingdom of God was like. He told this story about a, a rich man who wanted to have a feast, and he sent out invitations far and wide, but when it came time for the banquet, all the people started making excuses. They couldn't come. I got something going on. We're busy. We're not going to be able to make it. Everybody declined, and, and he tells this story about this certain man who's preparing this feast, and, And when he hears that nobody's coming, he says, then I want you to go out into the streets. I want you to go to the alleys. I want you to go to the cripples, to the lame people, to the neglected, the marginalized. I want you to get those people because I want my house to be full. And that's the heart of Jesus. He says, I want my house to be full. But listen to this verse. The Bible says in Luke 14, verse 21, after he said that, the servant came back and he reported this to the master. The owner said, go out quickly to the streets, the alleys, the towns, bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Look at the next verse. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. There is still room. Then, verse 23, the master told his servant, go out to the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I got to tell you, if there's anything that God has burdened my heart with for this year, it's that God's calling us to do more outreach. God's calling us to reach more people. And we might say like this servant in verse 23, sir, what you ordered has been done. I mean, we've done that. But if we say that with him, we have to finish the statement. We have to also agree and say, there is more room. Come on, is there more room? I mean, there's more room. Are we there yet? Are we satisfied to say, God, you've done some good stuff. Yet we did everything you asked us. No, we're saying, God, there's still more room. And essentially, he says, then go farther. You looked in the city, look in the country. Go down the dirt roads, go down the back alleys, because I want my house to be full. We need to understand that when we lift up our hands to God in praise, we're also lifting our hands to the down and out. Yeah. We're touching the unlovely the marginalized, the last, the least. We're going after them in Christ's name. That's, that's practical. That's practical. It's important. It's so important. I'll tell you how important it is. Jesus gives us a picture of what it's gonna be like at the end of time. He says, like a shepherd who separates the sheep from the goats, he's gonna separate on his right and on his left the people from every nation, and he'll tell the people. Some of you go to the right, and some of you go to the left. In fact, I want to read a part of this story in Matthew chapter 25, verse 34. After he separated them, it says in verse 34, then the king will say to those on the right, come. When did we see you as a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothes you, verse 39? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. And then as the story goes on, he turns to those on his left And he tells them to leave his presence. He said, because I was in prison and you didn't visit me. I was hungry and you didn't feed me. You didn't clothe me. I was sick and you didn't come. And they're gonna ask the same question, when? When did that happen? And he's gonna say, what you did not do for the least of these brothers and sisters. You did not do for me. Understand the difference on that day between those that move to the right and are called the sheep and those that move to the left and are called the goats is what we did with the least of these. That's why it's so important that we understand when I lift my hands in praise to God, I also have to lift them practically. That my worship has to be as much about a vertical reach as it is about a horizontal reach. That, that God has something for me to do that sometimes worship is spelled work. And that we can never say we've done that yeah. without also saying there's still more room. There's still more room. God, help us this year to understand that you're calling us into a place of service. As we get ready to close this service, we're gonna pray. I am going to ask you if you would stand with me again. I want us to just take a different posture for a moment. This fourth way, that we exalt Jesus, we lift Jesus when we lift our hands, is powerful. It's powerful. It means there's something dynamic that can happen, and Pastor Chris mentioned it earlier in the service. There's something that happens in an atmosphere of faith. That when all the people of God come together in agreement, we lift up our voices and we lift up our hands and we lift up our hearts, there is a potential for something supernatural to take place. All through scriptures, we see people lifting their hands to God and then Jesus steps on the scene. And all through the gospels, we see Jesus lifting his hands to touch people, to cleanse the leper, to lift up the cripple, to touch the eyes of the blind. Something powerful when we make contact with God and when we're reaching, when we lift our hands, we know we can't even get to the ceiling, but there's something in us that just says, God, I'm reaching for you like that child, God. I just want a touch. Like the woman with the issue of blood in Mark 5, she said, I know if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. And she reached out and she touched him. And Jesus said, who touched me? Because immediately he knew that power had left him. Because that's what happens when we reach out and touch God. So we're going to pray today. And I want you to just stand with me. And I want to ask you once again, if you're physically able, would you just posture yourself in that place of praise? Would you just lift your hands toward God? Now let's take about 20 seconds and let's just praise him. Would you do that? Let's just thank God for his goodness. Come on, in your own words. God, we lift up a hallelujah. Lord, we lift up praise. Lord, bless you for your faithfulness all through last year. Lord, for your faithfulness today. God, thank you that you are for us and you're not against us. God, we give you praise today. Lord, we reach up our hands and surrender. We reach up our hands in faith today. Lord, you are good. And your mercy endures forever. God, we praise you. God, we glorify you. And God, right now, with hands lifted, Lord, we recognize that when we lift our hands to you, God, we reveal our heart. And you know our hearts, God, so today, Lord, would you purify us? Would you purify us? Come on, if you're here today and you're bold enough to allow the Holy Spirit to just begin to examine your life, just ask him, Holy Spirit, show me anything in my life that doesn't honor Jesus, any sin in my life that would separate me from your presence. God, I want to ascend this year. I want to draw near to your presence. I need to have clean hands and a pure heart. God, today, if there's any inconsistency between the, the proclamation of our mouth and the lifestyle that we live, God, show us today in this moment. Search me and know me, O oh God. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. God, I want to be purified. Come on, if you need God to purify your life, just do what the word says. We said it earlier, confess. Just confess your sin and he's faithful and just. He'll purify you from all unrighteousness. God, today, with hands and hearts lifted high, we confess. God, we need you. Rescue us, save us, redeem us, deliver us. Make us new in Christ Jesus today. I wanna ask you, if you would, just... Bring those hands down and cup them right in front of you like this, just to make them available to God. God, I give you my hands, Lord. When I lift my hands to you, I lift them up. Lord, not just in a song, Lord, not just in a worship experience, but practically. Would you be so bold in this moment to just consecrate your hands to the Lord? God, use me this year. Lord, I want to pursue the gifts of the Spirit. God, give me the gift of helps. Lord, show me how I can serve you. Show me how I can serve others. Lord, show me where you want me to go. Lord, down the country lanes. Lord, into the back alleys, Lord, to those that are overlooked, those who haven't received the invitation yet, God, use me to lift somebody else's hands so that they can win a victory in Jesus' name. Father, we give you our hands. We give you our lives today as we lift them to you, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Listen, as we close this service today, I truly believe, and we lead this church with this belief, that when we lift our hands, it's a moment for God's power to flow through us. That's why we lay hands on the sick. That's why... That's why it wasn't enough for our brother to to just pray for someone. He had this urgency in his spirit to, to anoint them. He wanted that point of contact. He didn't know what I was preaching about today, but there's something in us that just knows there's power in agreement. That's why at the end of our services, we open these altars, and I wanna do that now. I wanna say to you, if you need God to move in your life, if you need a miracle, if you need healing, if you need a touch from God, I'm gonna pray a closing prayer right now. But I want to invite you, while heads are bowed, while aisles are closed, to take advantage of this moment, to just slip out into the aisle, and to come down to this altar. Because we believe that when we lift our hands up to God, we lift them in power, and that He can meet you in your point of need. So I want you to know today, these altars are open. We would love to pray with you. I want to invite you to come, even now, as I pray this closing prayer. God, today, in this moment, Lord, we thank you for your faithfulness to us. God, on this first Sunday of the year. God, we want to just, we want to put a stake in the ground today, Lord. We want this to be a moment of, of establishing, Lord, that our hands and our lives are lifted up for the glory and the name of Jesus. Lord, if nothing else happens this year, be glorified in us. Be glorified, be lifted up through our lives. God, thank you today for this simple reminder. Lord, I pray that every time we lift our hands, whether it's in worship, whether it's in celebration of our football team that might be playing. Lord, when we lift our hands in joy, or even when a child lifts up their hands to get a new perspective and to get close, God, may we be reminded of the incredible privilege that we have to access your presence and to glorify Jesus every time we lift our hands. God, we give this to you today. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Come on. Can we put those hands together one more time? Let's just thank the Lord. Amen.